The Brian Sams Podcast is sponsored by Church Media HQ. Failing to plan is planning to fail, and many churches have proven this statement to be all too real when it comes to their media and marketing. That's why Luke Clayton and the team at Church Media HQ want to create a 90-day plan to help your church connect with more people. After you share a few details about your church, Luke and his team put together a custom-tailored plan for effectively promoting upcoming events, sermons, and more at your church for free. Whether you choose to hire his team to execute that plan or take that plan and do it yourself, Church Media HQ just wants to see your church connect with more people. And listeners of the Brian Sams podcast can get started with a paid membership for as little as $99 and enjoy exclusive discounts on other Church Media HQ services. See the link in the show notes or visit churchmediahq.com slash Brian to sign up for your church's free 90-day media plan today and see all that Church Media HQ can do for your church. That's churchmediahq.com slash Brian. You're listening to an ongoing discussion on life, leadership, and ministry. This is the Brian Sams Podcast. Welcome back to the Brian Sams Podcast. This is Brian Sams, your host. And uh, man, today today's an awesome, awesome celebration. We are, we are actually currently recording this episode on kickoff Thursday for college football. Now, I recognize that uh, this is not a video podcast, but if it were, you would know that I am sitting here in my full West Virginia Mountaineer gear because West Virginia... Uh, is playing Pitt tonight in the revisit of the backyard brawl, and I tell you, one of my one of my guests today is a college football fan. I know Jeremy, and uh, I'll introduce him formally in just a second. But Jeremy, I'm going to do something here a little. You weren't prepared for this, but in light of the college football season kicking off, I've got some trivia for you. I'm going to see how Ooh. well you do. It's specific trivia to West Virginia and Pitt. Now you got to be a real fan to know this stuff. So so I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you five (laughs) questions. Let's see how you do five questions. Ready? Number one, what what is the nickname of the game between WVU and Pitt? Well, it sounds like you just said it's the backyard brawl. I don't know if that is. Did I say that? Is it the backyard brawl? It's the backyard brawl. Hey, that was a that was a freebie. Okay, that was a freebie. All right. Oh man, I blew that one hard. Okay. All right. And 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 I, this is not a question. It's just a fact. The reason they call it the backyard brawl is because the stadiums are seventy five miles from each other. One in Morgantown, West Virginia. The other in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And so they have been playing for a number of years. In fact, they've had one hundred and four games up to this point. Tonight's one hundred and five. All right. So here's the next question. Uh, what was the first year of the backyard brawl? I'm going to say it was uh, 1918. 1918. That was close. 1895. Oh, my goodness. It was the very first game. Okay. (laughs) So you're over. Well, you're kind of one for – you're 50% so far. So I'm going to give you a true-false one now because this is a little easier. Okay, true or false. The 1921 edition of the Backyard Brawl was the first college game ever broadcast live on the radio. True or false? True. Absolutely. Absolutely true. I knew you knew that. And so you're two for three at 66%. You almost have a D on this quiz. All right. Now, this is a tough one. This is a tough one, and I hate to even bring it up, but can you remember the year in which the greatest upset in Backyard Brawl history occurred? Let me give you a little context. West Virginia entered the game number two in the nation. If they won the game, they'd be in the national championship against the University of Missouri, and they were upset by Pitt 13 to 9. Do you remember the year? Oh, yeah. I was was just a young man, I think, at that time. 1954. (laughs) That was 2007. 2007. Rich Rodriguez, it was his last game coaching. He would resign (laughs) after this game to go to Michigan. Bill Stewart would lead the Mountaineers into the victory against Oklahoma in the Fiesta Bowl. And that was the end of the BCS era for WVU in modern history. So anyways, there you go. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, final question, number five. Who leads the series all time, WVU or Pitt? 
Oh, it's got to be West Virginia. It's not. It's Pitt. What? <laughs> 61. <laughs> 61 to no. 40 with three ties so far. Well, hey, listen, uh, by the time this airs uh, in October, we are either I'm either going to be very happy about what happened tonight or I'm going to be very sad about what happened tonight. Uh, also, I want to say uh, in light of this episode, my guests are both um, Spanish-speaking pastors. This is uh, uh, exciting for us to announce that we are launching a Spanish campus of River City Baptist Church starting in January of 2023, and I'm going to be sharing more information about that soon and later. But uh, I have some of my close and longtime friends with me today. I have Pastor Noe Mendoza and Pastor Jeremy Mendoza. Guys, welcome to the Brian Sam's Podcast. Thank you, Pastor. I appreciate it. Thank you for the invitation. So good to see you. You're looking good, I'm telling you. You have not changed since I met you. What have you been eating? <laughs> well, the only thing that's changed is this gray right here in the, in well, the yeah. beard. But I appreciate that. Well, you can that. change that. <laughs> I appreciate that. Oh, my goodness. Pastor, Pastor Noe is, uh, was for years the senior pastor at uh, Iglesia Bautista Betania. And did that sound right? That sounded right, didn't it? You got it. Huh? <laughs> you are 100% authentic with that. <laughs> The only thing about me in Spanish that I'm really good at is eating tacos, as you guys well know that. Uh, and of course, Jeremy, yeah. Jeremy, uh, Pastor Jeremy Mendoza is the current pastor of Iglesia Bautista Betania in Mission, Texas. So obviously, uh, Pastor Noe pastored this church for a number of years. How, how many years was that, Pastor? Um, it was 40, brother, uh, full time. And... Uh, about two, yes, helping, two or three, yes, two, yes, helping out. Yeah, so 40 years, 40 yes. years, which is, of course, extraordinary in its own right. And, and congratulations, Pastor, for finishing that part of your course well. You know, um, only mm -hmm. only one out of 10 pastors retire as a pastor. And wow. so uh, I, I, I wish I could have been there, but I do celebrate with you the, the, the character, the integrity, the, the, the longevity. And, and I know that a lot of our English-speaking pastors may not know you, but I know in the Spanish-speaking world, um, a lot of people know you and respect you for the long-term ministry that you had. So I appreciate right. that. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it, bro. And of course, then in retirement, uh, Pastor Jeremy is going to step in and assume the responsibilities, and has been now. What? How many? How long now, Jeremy? What's? Uh, when did you start? I'm going on ten months. I started in October of 2021. So. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Ten months. Of course, you were the youth pastor there for a number of years as well. Yes, for, for 15 years. So. 15 years, and and our yes. relationships, I think, is basically it goes back to. Uh, the first time I met any of you, I was actually still in seminary and I flew down with Pastor Carl Herbster to visit Monterey and we stopped in mission. I think that was the first time I actually met Pastor Noe. I may have met, may have met some of the boys as well. I can't remember, but then along the way, um, uh, probably 2005, six, something along that line, God started opening up doors for me to preach down in what's called the Valley, uh, the Rio Grande Valley of Texas. And so I've been privileged to preach in uh, Camp Loma de Vida, which is ran by brother, their brother John. So, And then, of course, yeah. along the way, spoke at Batania myself through, I right. think, the greatest interpreter ever, which is Pastor <laughs> Noe, okay? Seriously, man, I, 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 don't yeah. even, I don't even like to preach. If you're not going to be there, I don't even want to do it. So. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> There's only been one other person even close, and that was in um, Haitian Creole. Uh, there's a brother, a brother from Haiti that's really good, but out, outside of that, I've had lots of problems. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, <clears throat> Dad's got the advantage of he learned English in uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. So, you know, yeah, uh, you, you really got to know the language if you're going to be uh, speaking English with um, the uh, Southern yeah. English. I think I remember um, I think I remember the first time I pre I was well, I was preaching at the camp. But then Pastor Noah, you scheduled me to preach on Sunday following. Right. camp, And I remember yeah. you coming to camp watching you know, me because we didn't you know, I didn't know you that well. And you were kind of right. like, 
kind of getting prepped up for what was going to happen on Sunday. That was that was cool. Right. Yes, sir. Well, we're trying to we're trying to make you look good. So yes, yes. We have to do it right. Yeah. 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 Oh man, that was so great. Oh man, these are just some great times, and I do appreciate the friendship. So here's what I want to do. Obviously, Pastor Mendoza, No Way Mendoza, forty years, same church. Jeremy takes over after forty years. This is a classic transition succession, but I think I think uh, what set this interview up is that about two months ago I went back down to the valley to preach once again at camp with John and um, have was able to have lunch with Jeremy, which is we either play golf or have lunch every time I'm there. And uh, we were eating lunch and he was telling me the story and I had not been down there since the transition. And as I listened to this conversation, I just, I thought to myself, wow, this is, this is, uh, this was so well done. Not, not easy by any stretch of the imagination, but so well done from a, an older um, pastor who had even some more traditional convictions Mm-hmm. especially in the, mm-hmm. particularly in the early days I'm sure mm-hmm. to a younger pastor who who doesn't have the same exact convictions on certainly on doctrine of course but you know like you know <laughs> methods and certain things like that and I thought wow this is exactly what we need to hear we need to talk about um, pastors transitioning their churches and allowing space for young 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 leaders to come up and do ministry in a way that is more fitting for their uh, generation. So I, I just appreciate. It. So first of all, Pastor um, Noe, would you would you just mind telling us just a little bit about yourself and your history and how you know just what brought you really just a little journey of your your ministry life? Thank you, brother. Well, let's try to be uh, briefly as I can. Uh, as you know, I was I am originally from Nicaragua. Um, my wife and I married in 73, uh, and in 1976, we moved to Georgia. And while we were there in Georgia, um, the Lord just confirmed my call to serve him full-time in ministry. Now came the decision where to go. Uh, for Bible school, for Bible training. Even though I have grown up in a, in a pastor's home, but you still have to, yeah, you learn a lot about ministry there, but you still have to have, you know, a formal training, Bible training. So um, I hear about um, a Spanish Bible school in Texas, in Edinburgh, Texas. While I was in Georgia praying and, and seeking direction from God, this came up, this information came up, and the Lord just worked it out to be able to come to Texas for uh, three, three, four days to get to know the Bible college, get to know the program a little more, uh, be able to um, see uh, and talk to uh, people there, yeah, and then try to find out how how I can move, where to live, how we are going to uh, make the move from Georgia to Texas. And the Lord just opened up the door for us completely. And so that is how we um, end up coming to Texas. While we were here, then I started the Bible school in, in uh, 1978. It was a four, it's a four year program, so I was supposed to finish, which I did in 82. While going to Bible school, I started, I started helping in this um, small Spanish ministry and just helping there and, and all that I could because I was going to school full time, working also to support the family. And on the weekend, Saturday and Sunday, is when I, uh, my wife and I tried to help in the ministry as much as I could. And so in 81, the group decided to call me as a pastor full-time. And so we pray about it and we accept it. And, uh, and that's how I started working there, now full-time, uh, and also going to school, full-time in the ministry and going to school my senior year. Wow. 
and from and then from 81 to 20 21 was the journey you know of uh and uh and uh and Bethania, and Bethany Iglesia Bautista Bethania because later on um the place became too small we cannot build anymore the the, the uh, it was too small the place to build and the Lord just opened up a door for us to buy a bigger property and then build uh, another uh, place, another sanctuary there. And because um, um, we are still building <laughs> more buildings, but uh, with the, the Lord provide enough, uh, a building enough to keep on growing. Mm. So that is how I am. We end up here in the valley, and then how we end up uh, in Iglesia Bautista Betania. Yeah. So, ha- so tell us a little bit about your your family. I know it, but I want our audience to know a little bit about your boys <laughs> and and your grandkids. How did God bless you that way? Well, I, you know, it's one of those situations where you um you pray, and then uh, you don't know exactly how to what to expect. Yes, you pray and you ask God to bless and, and lead you and and what you have in mind uh as for your children are concerned, because first you you at least in my case, and I sure is in every father's uh, case, you want your children to be born uh healthy and fine physically, and God allowed that to mm-hmm. for for them. Uh the boys, so some of them might not be all there to go. <laughs> oh, one, of us, one of us came out right. One of us came out without any <laughs> Three well, of us. I mean, not look, quite. we can say this. We can say we know the first three were okay because you went ahead with number four. <laughs> right. But then you stopped after four, Jeremy. You're number four, so I don't, I, you know, I don't know. Let me say this, too, because I know they wouldn't say it, but I know Jim, I know Jason, I know John, and I know Jeremy, all of them. I've got personal friends more with the more with the younger three than than I just don't know Jim as well, but um, I can say that these are guys that all love the Lord. Uh, and uh, Jeremy's a pastor. John and Jason work at uh, the camp. Jim is now. If I, I think he's the administrator at a Christian school, if I if I recall. And, and That's man, right. This is just a really good, solid gospel preaching, gospel believing family, and. If I didn't know anything else about the church and how how great it was and is how successful you know it is in the sense of what you would think of, I would just know that this is a great situation because obviously Pastor Noe, uh, God blessed you with 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 the children and now grandchildren that are following the Lord. And, and it, it is, it is one of those. Like I said, you pray and. And you just praise God when you see God answering your prayers in a way that you you never thought about um, how he was going to show his power and love toward you. And that was our case because, you know, um, oops, I don't know what happened here. Um, I got you. You're good. Um, okay. 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 So then um, seeing how... Uh, each one of them, so Jim was born in Nicaragua, Jason, our second, was born in Georgia, and John and Jeremy were born here in uh, in Texas. So when uh, um, then as they growing up, uh, they were growing up, the Lord just provide, um, um, really, the Lord just provide a way for um, us to uh, be able to send them to a Christian school. And to me, brother, that is the best you can do for your children. Give them a good, uh, a biblical uh, worldview. And uh, from there, everything goes, you know. So it's, so from there, the Lord just kept on working in their life. I was, um, I mean, I was blessed by seeing them, getting, seeing them saved and then being baptized. And uh, I think I did all of them. And then going to college and then getting married. And I was also blessed by um, being able to do their weddings, and and then grandkids came along, and then also baptized some of them, seeing them being saved, and all of that is just a blessing. And then, cause now seeing them um, serving God, 
serving God. Um, there is beyond whatever you can imagine. There is what I mean, like, you know, you imagine your children serving God and living for God and <clears throat> raising up their family. But then when you see them, you know, serving God full time, uh, letting material things go just because they want to serve God, there is more than what, um, what really, how can I say it? God knew my heart, which is what I wanted, but I cannot put it in word to say, God, this is, you know, when you read Psalms 37, 4, it said, delight thyself into the Lord, and he will give you the desire of your heart. Uh, and I always ask myself, how can I ask God the desire of my heart if I do not know my heart? Mm-hmm. So it has to be God who knows the heart, our heart, to give us the desire that we have there, but yet we do not exactly know, but God knows mm-hmm. our hearts. So there is, I've been a blessing, brother, greatly, and uh, I praise God every day. For well, amen. Praise the Lord for that. Hey, Jeremy, I want to I want to shift to you real quick because obviously, here's what I know. I know that all of all the boys, including yourself, are all gospel preaching, Bible believing, Orthodox sound guys. But I think I know you all well enough to also say that I know that generationally, um, you guys are different in a lot of ways. So I'm talking about practical things, maybe methodological mm-hmm. things. Tell me, give me a little perspective. You guys mentioned this at the lunch that I was referring to earlier, but tell us a little bit yeah. about your dad. And and I know, although he had some strong positions, um, the way yeah. maybe dress standards, music standards, these kinds of things, but sure. you guys were able to thrive even in that environment and now even exercise things a little differently. Tell us how you think that happened, you know, how you think it's still working yeah. together so well. Yeah, I think one of the the, the, the big things that, I saw growing up in dad was the genuineness that was there. And uh, as you've alluded to, the circles that we were in were, uh, as far as standards are concerned, very traditional, very conservative, um, to a point where it was um, it was obviously something that you, you could see. Uh, clearly, when we would have retreats with these churches and things like that, there was there was things that uh, that you would see. But one of the things that I, I think both my mom and my dad did was that they weren't, um, I, I would say, completely um, on some of the those standards. Uh, so, for instance, um, there, there were some of the pastors that, that were in our network that we associated with that would be against, for instance, going to the beach, you know, and wearing shorts. Uh, my parents were not there. And, uh, and so even though uh, the pressure was there, uh, you could say from, from pastors to, hey, um, th- this is kind of how I think you should raise your kids or do this. Um, he just kind of felt that that wasn't where he stood on, on the issue. And, uh, and so I did see the genuineness on that. And I think that was really big for me. Um, there were, yes, differences in some of our standards as I got older. Uh, One, for instance, uh, in our church uh, throughout the 90s um, and maybe even early 2000s, um, you know, pants with 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 ladies was not uh, approved of or or anything like that. In our case, my dad didn't have daughters, so uh, it wasn't something that he kind of faced immediately in his in in our home. But uh, it was something that he was, you know, on. Um, I obviously did not stand there, and uh, and so it was, it was, um, it was something that we were able to talk through, though. Mm. And uh, and I and I think that was a big thing as well. Not only the genuineness that I saw in him to stand up sometimes to his friends when he had a different maybe conviction than they did or a different standard. Um, he was, he was willing to, to stand up for what he believed was, you know, okay. Okay. And then, um, and then I think just being able to talk to him about it, uh, I, I have run into others that, uh, when I've asked them, you know, what kind of conversation have you had with, with, you know, your parent about that or, or your pastor about that? And they just say, well, they won't, they won't even listen to me. They just kind of cut me off there. 
Uh, and uh, dad was never like that. He was he would be willing to talk through uh, some of these things. And and you know, sometimes at the end, I could I could agree or at least see where he's coming from. Uh, other times I would just tell him, Dad, I love you, but I disagree <laughs> with, with that position. Uh, but, you know, um, he never let that affect our relationship. It's not like he was ever mad at me because of that. It wasn't anything of of that kind of nature. It was just um, it was it was nice to be able to talk through some of those things. OK, though. this is really interesting. So I have experienced the same thing. I've experienced um, families literally getting like shredded apart over things like Bible translations or pants or music <laughs> styles, like literally like where parents won't talk to kids, they don't go to church together, this sort of thing. But in your all's case, it's more than just, hey, my dad's really awesome. He's willing, he's really open. More than that, I mean, obviously, Pastor Noe, you were super instrumental in bringing Jeremy to the table as the next pastor, where knowing, knowing that some of these things were not going to be his preferences. And that's a word you used a few minutes ago that I think is really important here. Pastor, Pastor Noe, can you talk us through how you thought and how you led even some of maybe your deacons and leaders through knowing that Jeremy was going to be different on preferences but still should be the pastor of the church? Yeah, well, you know, first of we, we pray a lot. I personally pray a lot, asking God, Lord, what is exactly what you want? And God answers prayers. God gives you peace in your soul. And you know, by seeing God's word, one thing they always ask, and I ask someone who, you know, saw different, I ask him, what, what is Jeremy disqualified to be a pastor? To be pastor. And said, no, okay. Then if it's not disqualified, then what are we talking about? Mm. There's no. So it helped my brother in the bringing the leadership in uh, on those changes. Uh, first, like Jeremy was mentioning, we were already, we have talked about those issues, him and I. Um, he challenged me to look up what the Bible says mm. and, and really help me to understand, okay, this is a preference and this is a Bible principle. Mm. Okay, the Bible principle is first. Then we look into conviction, okay, because you have this Bible principle. And I was not able to say clearly, this is a Bible principle that for this reason, I practice this. Mm. So at the end, I had to digest in my mind and my soul going through the Bible. Yes, it is a preference after all. It's not exactly a Bible principle. Because when I when I was growing up, we didn't practice it there at home. And my daddy was a very faithful Christian man. And yet we didn't practice. And then later on in my life, already married, Mary, I learned that. So uh, many things that we discussed, and so when we came, when we talked to the leadership, because um, it was, a, I guess, a, a different situation because Jeremy had been with us all this year and then have grown here, you know, um, having grown here in the church also is uh, it's a, it's a different also situation. He have gone through being a youth pastor and assistant and uh, associate pastor, and all the leadership knew that he was being groomed uh, for the next pastor. So those um, um, I, new idea that he was bringing in, uh, I feel like we worked together mm. to implement it. It was not an idea of, it was not a, um, we never gave the idea, well, this is Jeremy's idea, but it's not my idea. Okay. So I I told the leadership this is our idea I I see it this way and in cases where I needed to apologize to them because I had told them wrong in a way of presenting their preference as a Bible principle mm. that I cannot prove them now 
I had to be honest with God and with them. I had to tell them, hey, uh, forgive me, I, I made a mistake there. Um, not because I wanted to mislead you, but because that's how I saw it then. Wow. But I see it this way now. So I think that um, being able to work together through those new ideas that he was bringing in, uh, the leadership saw that in him and I worked together. They never saw the world divided. And, and so uh, they could complain to someone and, or to me or to come to me and say, hey, Pastor, how come you now, you know, I know that you don't agree with Jeremy on this. I never allowed that to, to happen. I said, no, no, we agree. <laughs> we agree. And but they say, hey, how come? But before you tell that, yeah, I was wrong. Uh, it was a mistake that I made. But um, uh, we agree. We agree on this. It's 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 right. He is right, and we're going to go that way. Wow. There, there's three things that stand out to me here, and then Jeremy, I'm gonna bounce it to you. Uh, one, number one, successful transitions are gonna take place when it's well planned and well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like you brought in somebody that nobody knew and all of a sudden this guy was going to be different. I mean, everybody knew Jeremy. He was trained there. I think if you don't leave a successor, you're not a success. If I leave right. River, if I leave River City Baptist Church and I do not have somebody trained mm-hmm. up and ready to take my place, then I did not do that well. So that's awesome. Number two, um, I think Jeremy, Jeremy being willing to not as a young man, not just try to bulldoze over, hey, this is all stupid, this is ridiculous, but let's talk about this. Let's, Dad, I don't understand this. Can we Can we look at the Bible together? Can we talk about this? That's an attitude. And then you, from, and I pray the thing I admire the most about you, Pastor Noe, is your willingness to acknowledge and admit that I didn't do this because I was trying to intentionally, but I, I, I just was convinced and it took me some thinking and reasoning to come to a different position. That's a humility that I think. So, so I think I think the 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 respect from the younger guy, the humility from the older pastor leads to better fruit here. Jeremy, what, what would you say are things that you really admire uh, about da- your dad in the transition here? Yeah, just what he he shared. The fact that you're willing to admit when you're wrong and I don't care who you are. Um, that's hard to do for anybody. Um, it, 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 uh, and, and, and more when you've stood on something for so long, um, you know, I, I forget who I was talking to about this, um, not too long ago, but, uh, you know, it's, it's almost like changing teams. You know, I'm a big Texas Longhorn fan uh, to leave the Longhorns and go to another team, it's hard to do because I bought the gear, I've stood, I've said this, I've said that, and so to go back, it's kind of like, oh, I, I thought you were, <laughs> I thought you were here. What happened? Mm-hmm. And that's hard to do, even on something as insignificant as a stinking team would be. Uh, it's hard to do when it comes to ministry and what you stood on, <laughs> preached, shared, taught. Uh, to be able to reflect and say maybe maybe there's there's some things that I wasn't right on. Uh, that was big for me. Uh, as, you, as you said, I, I always had a really high respect for my dad. But once again, I think it just highlighted the genuineness. And he's always been that way. Um, a genuineness there of a true walk and a true, um, a true character that, that he has, a true Christian character in that sense. And um, it, it's it's something that for sure throughout this transition I know has not been um, simple and uh, but yet that, that he's just willing to do that was 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 you know um, it, it was amazing to me it, well, it really had a huge I impact think it's, yeah I think impact on you personally but also it was the only way that Batania would be able to transition. Yeah. Right. Without without the next pastor being just like Pastor Noe. And I think the beauty of this is there's able to be unity without uniformity. And I think that's I think that's just brilliant. So give me just some quick what, what were some of the challenges? I mean, I know it wasn't easy. Uh Pastor Noe, what what were some of the challenges that you've that that you encountered in this transition? 
personally, I will say more personally, is the challenge that he, as a younger pastor, um, uh, brought to me when we talk about new ideas, uh, a different way to do things. This might sound like simple for someone, but it was not for me when he, for example, mentioned one day, uh, Wednesday before Thanksgiving, uh, let's have the midweek service in a uh, ice skating ring. Let's have the service there. Say so what? <laughs> in my life have done that. What and before? Let's go with you. No. And I said, why not? What's wrong? Is Ghana going to be there? What you got to think about? Said, yeah, he's going to be there. And what if people come and now you preach? We are going to have a service. You preach, we sing, we pray. And in front of people come, we'll, we'll, we'll be there singing and preaching and you preach. And at first was like, no, they cannot be. And then the question, is God going to be there? Uh, yes, he's going to be there. <laughs> Are you going to be preaching God's word? Yes. So what's the difference? Oh, yeah, location. And, you know, we went. And since then, we have been, since then, we have been doing it <laughs> every year. People came. We had a great service. We, people met. We had even visitors. We had visitors. I mean, I don't know how um, hundred people, more than two, three hundred. I don't know how many people came that Wednesday, but it was it was packed. Mm. So, idea situation like that, you have to be open to digest it yourself. So, in everything, it was a challenge to me to be able to digest it, and then go to the leadership, to the men, and tell them, look, it's trying to explain them. So they can digest it without Jeremy being the one telling them, this is what I see. It's me telling them. So the challenge to me was, how can I digest this that Jeremy is telling me? So I had to go to the Bible. I had to talk to God and look it up and see what the Bible said. And then ask God to give me grace to be able to tell the leadership, this is what um, we are going to do. Mm. And I think God is in this and to just, just keep on following me. We will keep on going. We're, 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 we're following God on this. So the challenges were there. More for me, I would say that for the, the leadership, because once the people saw, the leadership saw that him and I were together, uh, there was not much opposition to uh, what the new idea that he was bringing in. Jeremy, what were mm -hmm. maybe a, one or two challenges that you face now as a new guy? You know, um, on how to how to communicate some of the new ideas. Um, I'll, I'll say that that can be very challenging because it yeah. it um, obviously, like he was sharing, even in something like like the uh, Thanksgiving service, yes. how you articulate that to to the pastor. How do you? how do you communicate that vision without, uh, or that idea without attacking where the church is at or, you know, or, or even the, the person's leadership. I think that was challenging, uh, in, in a sense. And, and, and it always will be a challenge, I guess, to, to communicate new ideas that way. So I think that was one, uh, challenge. Um, and then being patient was, was another challenge because you, you do have a lot of, um, uh, People that want to kind of um, want a better explanation, I think, in one sense. And also uh, there's others that just kind of want to try to divide the two. Like you said, bring more uh, uniformity instead of unity. And, uh, and sometimes you just got to be patient with, with, with those, um, those types of people. Um, and, and then be willing to, I would say, work within the system that you're in. Um, I can tell you when I was um, coming out of uh, Bible college and growing up, uh, just a quick example, I, I um, we never went to theaters. I mean, that was just like, a, no, you, we, that was a thing in our house and, and even in our church, we just, you know, go to theaters. And um, I didn't have that conviction personally. So coming out of Bible college, coming into the church as a youth pastor, we talked about it, me and dad. And I, and I, and I said, look at, um, because I can't, because I don't believe that, 
I can't preach against it or, or I would be really attacking, you know, my, you know, I'd be being fake and, and, and it was, it's going to come off as disingenuous and people are going to know that. And uh, I said, so I just want you to know that I won't preach against it. No, I'm not going to preach for it either. I'm not going to tell our team. And so for many years, you know, that's what we, that's what I did, you know, and um, I, I kind of, you know, brought to mind that of what Paul said, you know, you, you can sacrifice some of that liberty so that you can be a blessing to to others. And and in, in that, in, in being willing to just, hey, sacrifice that, it's not going to be forever, but but maybe for this time um, and, and kind of get into that system where, where dad's at and, and keep, keep talking and let the spirit do his work in, if this is true, if this is the truth, um, then the Holy spirit will, will help him understand or reveal that in his time. You know, you're not the Holy spirit. So don't, don't, don't try to, don't try to, um, you know, just win a debate or to, to win an argument. Don't do that. And, um, and so I, I think it was, uh, him willing to say, okay, you know, I'm still gonna, you can still be the youth pastor. You can still influence our teens. Um, but just don't, don't bring that up yeah. and, uh, please don't be taking, you know, them with you whenever you do go. And, you know, and like I told look, when I'm out of town, I'm, you know, I'm going to go. Um, but hey, in town, I won't do that. And I won't, I won't share that with our teens. I won't tell them like, well, it's ridiculous. You should be able to go. I didn't. I didn't want to do that from the pulpit in, in any in any way. Well, like I think Jeremy, honestly, you're you're representing the spirit of young pastors that they need. That you you made a statement. It's really a, a um, it's a small summary of Romans 14, 1 Corinthians eight through ten. Sometimes the younger guys, all we ever want to talk about is our freedom to be able to do whatever we want. Uh, respectfully, I mean, not anything, but you know what I'm saying. Like, just exercise <laughs> ourselves different. But what we often forget is the entire chapter of 1 Corinthians 9 is about Paul laying down his freedom to receive compensation from the church in order to not be accused of trying to take advantage of the same church. <laughs> what about that? You know, I mean, what? Why? why can't younger guys sometimes figure out that it's not all about our generation just freely expressing ourselves? It's sometimes about limiting what we might have the freedom to do so that we can even have this cross-generational ministry. And I think that's one reason why you guys have done it so well. And I, I give you yeah. a congratulations for it. Now, obviously, Jeremy um, and Noe, this did not, I mean, I'm sure there were challenges as far as like, I'm sure not everybody was happy with it. I'm sure that um, maybe there was even probably some loss, I would imagine, anytime there's a transition. But um, uh, any, any, any word to pastors or ministry leaders that you would say, Man, I would have done that different. Or here's what I here's what I really encourage you to do. I mean, we've said a lot, but kind of in a final word, Pastor Noah, is there anything you would encourage the older men to consider <coughs> while you think about they think about transition? Yes, but well, one thing I think is um, it would be a help if they bring the future pastor early enough mm -hmm. in their ministry. Um. I would suggest that you think about your uh, retirement, so speaking, uh, as a pastor, at least 10 years early. Start thinking, or even before. And you say, by this time, when I get this age, if the Lord gives me life, I want to be out of pastoral work and go into something else. And then bring your replacement early enough where they, that man will be involved with you in every detail of the ministry, every detail of the ministry. Don't leave anything uncovered, so speaking, and be um, humble enough to, to listen to a new pastor when he said, I will do it this way. And now talk about it, because that's where the friction comes in. Because our uh, egotistic, our pride comes in. Say, so why? Is it wrong the way that I'm doing it? Why are you not doing it? I think that we as an older pastor have to be thinking on the younger generation, the, the generation that we cannot connect with anymore, even though we love God and we love them. Mm -hmm. But there has been a change. There's been a change in society. And so for an older pastor, 
bring your replacement early enough. Early could be 10 years, seven years, and work with that pastor, uh, pastor as close as you can. Let him start taking leadership in areas like finances, uh, programs, uh, planning, and let him make mistake with you there <laughs> so you and help can work together to overcome those situations and not suffer so much consequences. Amen. Uh-huh. <laughs> I totally agree. I've said it like this. I mean, honestly, sheep don't look for shepherds. Um, it really should be a shepherd-led event. And in fact, our, mm-hmm. the Spanish guy, won't, I'm not going to mention his name on the air right now because I don't know if it's released yet when this publishes, but he is. He just spoke to his deacons last night to tell them that he's coming to Florida to uh, be a Spanish pastor. And, 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 they, they, and he suggested and they requested that he stay on for the next three months to really guide them through that. That's just the... Yes. Now, now, this is going to be a little bit different, but still there's the shepherd involvement and mm-hmm. I think that helps out the young guy. Jeremy, what would you say? Any, any word to the younger guys? Yeah, I would say uh, just be patient um, and and realize that um, if you are going to make changes, and, and I heard a lot of uh, older pastors give me this counsel, um, and um, Brian, you were also one that, that helped in giving this, this kind of counsel, um, not always directly, but even just through your podcast, I, I, I heard... Uh, Pastor Capace on your podcast not too long ago, kind of sharing this. And I can't remember the other pastor's name that was from Pennsylvania talking about this. And um, but but the idea of, of, of being patient when you're making changes and, and realizing, you know, you're not you're not turning a speedboat around. You're, you're turning an, an ocean liner. And uh, and sometimes when you're coming into um, the senior pastor position, you know, the idea is. Finally, I can I can make the changes I want. Finally, I can go the direction I want. And I think being being sensitive to, uh, you know, what will be some sort of percentage of your congregation that was under the previous leader for a long time, they're going to feel loyal to him, they're going to feel a a, a perspective of how they've always worshipped, how they've always, you know, um, done ministry. And so when you're when you're coming to to um, turn that around, I think you got to be patient in teaching through that, uh, as many pastors have said, and also you yourself um, being willing to to work and create those relationships with with uh, with people to do that. Uh, I'll share this because our transition came in 2021. Obviously, 2020 was a year that rocked our whole entire world. Um, I know dad wouldn't mention this, so I'm going to mention it. Uh, when he came on in 1981 full time, uh, and started working with the church, uh, they're running about 12 people, uh, by 2020, uh, we were over 500 people. Um, after the pandemic, um, we, we had probably, you know, 150 people just not come back, um, because it was a pretty big scare down here. I mean, we made national news for the cases and deaths and stuff. And then, um, and then we had the transition and then, uh, I had someone recommend to me the book next by, uh, the Vanderbilt book, uh, group. And so I read that book and they pretty much, they did a whole study on like 600 churches and transitions. And they said on average, about 30%, uh, will, will not stay with the new, pastor coming in. That was certainly true for our transition time. Uh, so um, I, I would just tell the young guy, one, be patient in the changes you're doing. And, and two, um, be loving. Um, don't let don't let yourself kind of um, uh, get get bitter or angry just because someone doesn't, you know, maybe want to follow your leadership or, you know, feels like nah, this church is going to be different and I don't want to be a part of it. Uh, I think you ought to love, love them, love those that leave anyway. Um, I've tried to stay connected with some, you know, just by texting, obviously I don't talk to them, but some of those families that left because I knew them uh, growing up in this church, I knew them. And I understand if they feel like I can't pastor them, that's okay. I'm not the only pastor in the world. I'm not, you know, we're not the only church doing God's work. There's a lot of churches and, uh, and, and I just, 
you know, told them and I prayed for them. But I also told them, listen, I, I hope you do find a church where there's a, a man that you can follow and get involved and serve God with your life. Because after all, that's the most important thing, not not how many we're running or what we're doing, but what is God doing? And, and so just focus on that. And uh, so I, I would say that I would just tell the, the younger pastor coming in, you know, be patient. Uh, I'm, I'm only 10 min- months into it, Ryan, and I can tell you, there's still more changes I, I'd like to do, more programs, of course, I'd like to start. But, um, but you know, just waiting on what God's timing for some of those things are, are better. Uh, well, one of the changes that I made, and I talked to you about it in the restaurant, uh, was uh, changing our Sunday night service to connection groups or small groups. And uh, that was going to be a really big, you know, change. But for this, you know, four months before that, I actually preached a series through, through that, our, our, uh, who we are in Christ, our position and, and, and our purpose in Christ and then our practice in Christ. So that helped in, uh, in doing that transition. And it's been going great on, on that side of things. And I've been able to, uh, you know, well, I should say God's been able to really touch the hearts of the older generation to begin to see where we're going, these new ideas, where it's leading us. And they've got so excited. I'm telling you, they've, they've been so excited to see what, what God has been doing. And, uh, and so I, I think by building that, taking time, you know, I, I sat down, would go eat with them, had coffee with them, you know, talked to them, reassured them that I love them, reassured them that, you know, we're not changing the gospel message. We're not going to be changing our our uh, heart to reach others. We're not going to change anything that is foundational in Scripture. Yeah. Um, but um, but I, I did tell them I, I do want to talk to you, and I would talk to them about, hey, I'm thinking about this idea. You know, what what do you think about it? And we would talk through it. Yeah. You know, and um, and so I, I I think that was something that helped uh, in in some of the changes that we've already made to to be more accepting and 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 going forward that way. Yeah, amen. I think these are this is so good. It's not just a transition, but there are, it's not just a new pastor and a young pastor. It's also a few different things functionally. And man, you guys have done that well and I, I admire it. And I want to thank you both for coming on today and uh being a part of the podcast. I want you I can't put you on the spot on the air, but I want you to come to our conference maybe in 2024 and I want to have a whole session on this there. I know this year is not going to work, but uh, maybe we can get it next year. But, uh, guys, thanks for coming, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and sign off on the air. This is the Brian Sam's Podcast. We'll look forward to having you next time for more conversations on life, ministry, and leadership. Have a great day. 